Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. among us this morning, break our spirits as we consider our standing before a holy God and His love for us, remove all manner of pride and justification from our own hearts, let us mourn for our sin yet also rejoice in our inclusion into the family of God by adoption, open our hearts to the word that we may receive it with gladness and singleness of heart. And remove every barrier and distraction that may choke out the precious work of your word this morning. Prepare our hearts to listen, to understand, and to respond to your conviction, your challenge, and your consolation. In the name of Jesus, who's the name among every name, we pray. And God's people said, Amen. We're taking a break from our regularly scheduled message series in James to bring you a special edition of the first command found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. As you know, we've been pushing the baptism service or the baptism ordinance that we're going to be celebrating next week. And I don't know how many of you have been baptized or how many have not, but I would encourage you, if you have not, to do so. And so I want to take a moment to talk about baptism. I know many of us have come from different backgrounds, different types of teaching and maybe different types of emphasis on it, but I wanted to kind of share with you what Scripture has for us and try to understand it and maybe encourage you. And what is baptism about, especially when we live in a day and age where different denominations and different churches have different thoughts of what baptism is and what it does? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift the Holy Spirit. We see the first command there is to repent and be baptized, two things that are put together. Now again, I want to say baptism is not for the forgiveness of sin, but we are to repent for the forgiveness of sin, but there's two things that he's calling us to do, and I want to talk about that, why that's important for us today, and I'm going to do it with a series of just questions, and I think it'll be meaningful to you and hopefully come with an understanding. So the first question I'm going to have for you today is what is the meaning of baptism? What is its purpose? What is it uh, there for? And I want to give you two things. The first reason why we believe in baptism or the purpose of baptism is that it illustrates Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as you see there, it says, For I delivered to you of his first importance what I also received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Colossians 2.12 goes on to tell us, Have him be buried with him in baptism, in which we are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And I want to sit on this for just a moment because we need to understand the importance of what happens when you and I repent and confess our sin and come in to that of Christ or come into Christ is that baptism is a way in which we illustrate what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. We need to recognize that he was dead, he was buried, 
and that he, was, that he rose again. And so baptism is a way in which we illustrate what Christ has done in our life, which brings us to the second point, is that baptism also illustrates my new life as a Christian, my new life as a Christian. In Romans 6, 3-5, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his what? Into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in what? Newness of life. For we, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So baptism has a twofold. Once we see that it illustrates that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but it also illustrates my new life as a Christian as we are united with him as he died, was buried, and was resurrected. Baptism doesn't make you a believer. It doesn't cleanse you from your sins, but it demonstrates that you already believe and it tells others what Christ has done for you. It's important to understand that baptism does not save us. You're only saved by our faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, a famous portion of Scripture, many of us could quote it, says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we must be careful to say that baptism does not save but yet it illustrates what God has done in our lives as we are united with Christ. And that's a very important part because when he tells us to repent, he's telling us to turn away from our dead works. This is the same message, by the way, Peter is only echoing the message of John the Baptist and Jesus himself when he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Or John the Baptist, repent and show fruits we recognize we repent from those dead works and we turn and trust in Christ. And so baptism is a telling of how that came to be, of how you and I have become a new creature. So baptism is more than just some type of sacrament or an ordinance that we just do, but it's something that illustrates something miraculous that happens within our lives. You see, believer's baptism is a symbol of the beginning of the Christian life. Hence why we'd say repent and be baptized. It's something that we ought to do to say, hey, I'm beginning a new journey. Something different has happened in my life. I'm choosing something different. Baptism is like a wedding ring. It's an outward symbol of the commitment you make in your heart. If you're to look, many of you have wedding rings. To exchange wedding rings does not make you married, does it? No. All it shows is an outward commitment or an outward symbol of what's already in your heart. And so baptism is an outward sign of an inward commitment. And that's the meaning of baptism, as it illustrates Jesus' death and burial and resurrection and in our new life as Christians as you were united with Him. And I'd like to go to the second question, is why should I be baptized? All right, so I understand what its purpose is. But why should I get, be baptized? Why is it a command of Christ, or why should I do it? Well, first, it's to follow the example set by Christ. 
In the Gospels, we see in Matthew 3.13 that Jesus came from Galilee early in his ministry to the Jordan to John to be baptized by John. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him and said, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus said, I need to be baptized because it's part of God's plan. It's to fulfill all righteousness. So we were baptized. Why? To follow the example of Christ. It says in Mark, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee to be baptized. Luke chapter 3 tells us Jesus also had been baptized. And again in John, he gives us a description. So all four Gospels are united in saying this was important to Jesus. It ought to be important to us. The second reason why I believe you should be baptized this morning is because Christ commanded it. And this is something that I think is very important. See, many of us have taken it as a suggestion. But in Matthew chapter 28, take your Bibles if you would and turn to that real quickly. Many of you know this scripture. We see Jesus, last day here on earth, 40 days after his resurrection, he has been spending time with the disciples, teaching them spending time with them, encouraging them. And he ends it on his ascension before he rises to heaven. He says this, all authority has been given to me. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So many people many times have have wondered, should I be baptized? Well, the answer is, if you've accepted Christ, yes. Why? Because Christ commanded it. Baptism is what Christ has commanded. Not only to follow His example, because He says to be baptized. I remember one time talking to a young man we had in our church, and he had gotten saved, and I was encouraging him to be baptized, and for some reason he was just reluctant to do for it, and, and he would always give me the same old answer, well, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. Well, let me give you some free advice. This is free. I'm not going to charge you, by the way, for this point. So you may want to write it down. Is the things that Jesus explicitly tells us that we don't have to wonder about, we ought to, and commanded to do, we ought to do. Men, you do not need to be about pray about whether or not you should love your wives. Wives, you should not have to pray about whether you submit to your husbands. Children, you don't need to pray about whether you should obey your parents and the Lord. These are things that are very clear in Scripture. We don't need to pray about them. And so I told him, well, this is not like a, a holy uh, suggestion that one day you ought to be. It's not something that you need to say, Lord, do, what do you want me to do? It's commanded. And really it came down to there was many reasons why eventually that we got through it. But let me tell you, we don't need to pray about what God has commanded. We just need to do. We just need to obey. What's that old hymn? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So I want to encourage you today, if you have not yet followed him in believer's baptism, and we'll speak more about that phrase, God has commanded us, Jesus himself says, be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. The third reason why you and I need to be baptized is because it demonstrates that I'm a believer. Again, it's that outward symbol of saying, hey, I'm united with Christ. Acts 18.8 tells us that many of the people who heard him believed and were baptized. It shows that you've turned, you repented from dead works, and you've turned towards Christ. 
1 John 2, 3, very simple, says, We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. So why should we be baptized? One, to follow the example set by Jesus. Very simply, it's commanded by Him to do so. And thirdly, it demonstrates that I am a believer. Then some may ask, well, why do I need to be baptized by immersion? Why can I not be just dipped in or can I not just take a ladle and just pour it over your head? And that has been something that has been debated for thousands of years. And some of you might have been baptized by pouring some water over you or, or sprinkling some water. But why immersion? Again, I want to ask that question because I want you to understand what the Bible has to say. And again, I'm going to give you some four things here. Why is it that we need to be baptized by immersion? Well, one, simply because Jesus was baptized that way. You may hear that a lot. Let's just do what Jesus did. Let's do what the Bible commands. Let's follow the biblical examples because Jesus was baptized. In Matthew 3.16, he says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Now, that gives you kind of a visual mental picture of what he's doing. Jesus is in the water. He's not out of the water and then bringing the water to him, but he's in that water. He's in that Jordan water. In Acts chapter 8, we see that every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. As an example, when Philip and the, and the man went down into the water, Philip baptized him, and when they came out of the water, there's something a little bit more in depth here as we see, is that they're coming out of the water. And also, thirdly, what's very important is the Bible has words, and words have meaning. And it's important for you and I to understand that words have meaning. And many times what you and I do is we want to take words and we, especially today, we want to redefine everything, do we not? You know, what was sick is now good. Did you know that? If, if, if you like somebody's music, if you like what someone did, you, to say that that was sick is to say it's good. I can't even watch TV anymore because I don't understand the language anytime. I don't know why this happens, but every generation tends to redefine all their words. And we've seen it from time and time again. Every generation does it. But we ought to understand what the authors mean. God chooses His words very carefully when the Holy Spirit wrote through men. And so the Greek word translated to baptize simply means, it actually means to dip under, to plunge, to immerse, to bring someone under the water. That's what baptize means. And most importantly, this is the fourth reason as I go through these, is that immersion best symbolizes a death, a burial, and a resurrection. 2 Corinthians tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so if I could, that's why we believe baptism is by immersion. It best symbolizes what we're trying to share with people. It's a public confession of what's happened. And a baptism, obviously, as we use the phrase, uh, you know, my brother and sister, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of His death and raised to walk in newness of life. It represents and symbolizes what has happened inside of us. It's as simple as that. Sometimes we try to make theological, you know, tendrils a little bit deeper than they are, but it's very simple. It just symbolizes what we're united with in Christ. Calvin had wrote, it is evident that the term baptize means to immerse, and that's what the form was used by the primitive and early churches. Hence, I'd like to ask the question why he went away from it, but in the last, he's not here, I'll ask him when he gets to heaven. 
But we need to see that we need to be baptized. It's a command of Christ. And to be baptized does not mean to sprinkle water over or to pour water over, but it means to actually immerse because it best symbolizes not only what the word means, but also what has happened in our life. And then I want to lead you to the third question that I want to ask, so the fourth question is who should be baptized? And that's important because there may be some of you here that are still haven't been baptized, and you're asking, well, should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Well, the only question I have for you is every person who has accepted Christ should be baptized. In Acts 2.41, it says, those who received his word were baptized. In Acts 8.12, it says, but when they believed Philip, when they're speaking of those that received the word of Philip, he preached good news about the kingdom of God. They were baptized, both men and women. We see later in that verse is Simon himself believed and was baptized. Wayne Grubin writes that baptism is to be appropriately administered only to those who give a believable profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so who should be baptized? Those who have repented from their dead works and turned towards Christ. Those that should follow the command. Hence why we use the term believer's baptism. You heard me use that phrase before. It's an old Baptist doctrine. By the way, you know that I'm a Baptist by distinctives and by growing up. And so that you find those types of turns is believer's baptism is for those who have shown themselves to profess Christ and a believable one at that, which brings us then to the tough question. And some of you might have had this happen when you were younger. Well, what if I was baptized as an infant? What if I was baptized as a baby? And we have to admit that there are some churches that still practice infant baptism. Many do, probably more so than don't. At OVC, we do not practice that. We only baptize those who have made a decision to believe in Christ's death as a payment for their sin. The custom of infant baptism began about 300 years after the Bible was completed. Unfortunately, baptism lost its scriptural meaning for many denominations and churches. For some, it's the purpose, the purpose of baptism is to wash away original sin. And I remember one time... Um, we stood as godparents for our, our, our niece uh, in a Lutheran church, not surely understanding what it is. And I remember standing there, and they were baptizing her. She was, I don't know, several weeks old. And some people call it a christening. And I remember the Lutheran pastor saying, and this washes away original sin. And many of you maybe experienced that when you're young, or maybe you've done that with your children, especially if you've been in any type of a Catholic church or Lutheran. It believes it's a washing away of original sin. But let me tell you, that's not what Scripture says. An infant who is baptized, who is sprinkled uh, as a young child, is still just as much guilty of their sin as the most guiltiest of pedophiles or murderers. It doesn't wash away original sin. The only thing that can wash away that sin is the blood of Christ without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. For some, the purpose is, again, to wash away original sin, while for others, it's a ceremony to emphasize the commitment between the parents and God on the behalf of the child. During this ceremony, the parents promise to raise their child in the, of the faith, in the faith until the child is old enough to make his own personal confession of Christ, and so they may baptize their young ones. Presbyterians, uh, many Reformed churches practice this type. But here at OVBC, we believe the Scripture 
reserves it for those that have made a professional dedication of faith. So what we would do instead of baptizing, we would have a dedication service for infants and children that would emphasize a parent's role in raising the child to follow Christ. Therefore, if you were baptized as a baby, I would say that you encourage you to be baptized as immersion as a believer. And if that's you today, then your command is to follow him in believer's baptism. So I've tried to take you through, and I know I'm going through some of this quickly, because I believe many of you know these things. You've probably been taught them. Probably the majority of you here have been baptized. But it's important for us to know what the meaning of baptism is as it reflects what Christ has done for our hearts. We should be baptized because it's a command of Christ to follow the example, to demonstrate to others that we are believers. We are to be baptized by immersion because that's simply what the word means. And it best illustrates and gives definition or meaning to what Christ has done in our heart. And those who are to be baptized are those who've made a profession of faith. And so if you're here this morning and you've made a profession of faith, you were to say and say, Jesus is Lord, and yet you have not been baptized. And I encourage you next week is to join with us in baptism. The question many people will ask is, when should I be baptized? Now, I remember as a young kid, if you were saved at three, you were baptized at three. That was just one of the things you've done. I think I've been baptized at least twice. I mean, in, in my tradition, you had to get at least baptized at least twice. You got saved twice and baptized twice just to make sure it, it held. But I think you should be baptized, you know, as soon as you believed and understand the commandment of Christ. And I think that's one reason why many people have not been baptized or are holding off. They've not yet been taught it or they haven't understood that's the command of Christ. They haven't realized the potential that it has as a public confession of faith to others and as a testimony to others. That's why we do such a big thing as a church is we say, hey, let's do this area. And if you're going to be baptized, invite your friends, invite your family, even if they don't understand what it is. Why? So you can give them a public confession, a testimony of what Christ has done in your life. In Acts 2.41, again, those who received his word were baptized. Many times they were baptized that moment, though today that's not as important as it is in those days, is many times we wait a little bit longer. There's no reason, though, to delay. As soon as you've decided to receive Christ in your life, you can and you should be baptized. If you wait until you're perfect, you'll never be ready. And I'm sometimes wondering if that's what prevents people. They feel like they're not ready yet. Or maybe it's because they're embarrassed. I remember being scared to death in the baptism of our church. It was really high. And you would walk up these big old stairs. And I can, I can remember because you would change into your robe and you'd walk up the stair, and I felt like I was going to like a guillotine or up some type of roller coaster, you know? I mean, I'm serious. I'm shaking. I think the first time I was probably in first grade, the second time was fifth grade. So both times kind of young, and I'm just kind of shaking. You get in that water, and it's almost all the way up here, and the pastor, you know, he's getting ready to get you, and everyone's just looking out there. And it's, I can tell you, sometimes it can be a, a very difficult thing, especially if you're someone who is who is private or someone who gets embarrassed, many times it can be difficult to do. But let me tell you, it's important for us to do so. It's important for us to make that profession of faith. It's important to share that with others. And that's another thing that I want to share is the importance of baptism. Is that you and I need to recognize is that baptism can strengthen and encourage our faith. It's one of the ordinances, like the Lord's Supper, 
in which we find a means of grace in which God strengthens us and encourages us because we're obeying God's Word. And I want to give you three things of why we believe it's something that encourages and strengthens not only your faith, but I want to say it strengthens and encourages the faith of the church. Here's why we don't do it in secret or privately. Because the church ought to respond with joy when someone is baptized. And we respond with joy because, number one, it's a time to give a public profession or confession of one's faith in turning from sin and turning to Christ. Scripture tells us that the angels rejoice when one enters into the kingdom of God. And so you and I ought to also. It's a symbol of a confident transfer of trust. And you and I ought to encourage others to do it. We ought to come together for that. Many times as we go, yes, we're going to somewhere else and, or we're going to some place uh, uh, separate from here. But let me tell you, it's a time of encouragement, not only to that person, but to the church as a whole as we rejoice to one who's following the commandments of Christ. Secondly, the church responds with joy because it's time to give glory for God for what He's done. We need to remember that. And here's what I want to remind you as you take, you take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2 or it's there on the screen. This verse is one of my favorite verses. I would encourage you, if it's not underlined, underline this passage in your Bible today. It would be a great one to memorize. It's a great witnessing tool. It's a great uh, verse to give to encouraging to uh, a Christian who is struggling in their faith or doubting their salvation. We see it in Colossians chapter 2 when he says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision in your flesh, God has made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. Now that ought to cause you to shout. But He goes by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and He put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. You and I can rejoice of what God is doing in that believer. And you need to grab a hold of what that verse is saying. Hold on to it. Just look at it again. He says, once we were dead in our trespasses, once we were apart from the family of God, but God made us alive together despite all those things, demonstrating His love for us. And He's done that by forgiving us all of our trespasses. He forgave all of our trespasses by canceling that record of debt, that legal document that said that we were guilty. And it's the man that you and I suffer the wrath of God. He did it by setting it aside. And not only that, He nailed it to the cross. And what did He say at the cross? Join with me. It is finished. That is an accounting term saying it has been reconciled, it is done. You and I ought to rejoice in this. Not only that, is he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame. They are powerless against the power of God for he's triumph over them. Baptism is telling that story in a simple ceremony. Buried in his death, and we're raised to walk in newness of life. And that's what the church responds to when one comes in baptism. For we recognize what Christ has done for us. And thirdly, the church responds in joy 
because it's a time to commit to a lifetime journey of sanctification. We've walked in newness of life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We need to recognize that. And we look back at our baptism and say, hey, I'm a new creature. I'm different. I'm on a new journey. Christ is doing a new work in me. Baptism is a symbol of that sanctification walk. and We ought to rejoice in that. That's where we grab someone and we say, let's walk with you. It's not a journey that's one man by himself. It's a community of believers that say, let's covenant together and let's encourage each other through that. I want to challenge you here today. I'm not sure how many of you are baptized or not. But I know there are some that need to follow him in baptism. Why? Because it's commanded. Because it demonstrates that you are a believer. It might have been something that you did five years ago, ten years ago, maybe 30, 40 years, and you've never yet been baptized. Let me encourage you, it's not too late. Let's make that decision. Why? Because it's a command of God. And let me tell you, I struggle with Christians who have not yet been baptized. Because if you've not yet been able to follow one of the most simplest commands, how can you follow any of the other commands that become more difficult and more of a struggle? I want to encourage you, let's follow the Lord in what He's done so that others may rejoice and ourselves be strengthened. For that's the first command, repent and be baptized. Father, I thank You, Lord, for baptism. It's one of those many things that we take for granted, we don't really discuss. And obviously, as we went through this very quickly this morning, I want you to encourage us, Father, in the fact that we ought to follow you in baptism. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as we think about those of us who have been baptized, as we think of that commitment. Just as we, we grab our ring and touch it, Lord, may it just give us strength. Remembering, Lord, that we're on a new walk. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, how you were dead, you died, you were crucified, you were buried but yet you rose again. Lord, we see destruction of sin, but yet we see the hope of renewal. And Father, I pray that you would just impress in our hearts to follow through with what you've commanded us to do. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.